Geeks on the Gridiron with Big Sean and Seawall. What's going on, guys, and welcome back to this week's episode of Hot Takes on the Gridiron. We are on episode six right now, Colton. Yeah, and it is insane, guys. We uh, we have a really good week this week. Uh, me and Sean, respectively, not only played each other in fantasy football, uh, we'll go into that who won that matchup, but then we also have a matchup with our teams this week uh, for college football. And when I tell you I've never been so sick of hearing a football team's name in my life, like the Auburn Tigers, I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, we'll get into that later, guys. So Big-time t- big matchup in the Swamp this weekend. Very uh, big. College game day is going to be there. Herbie, Lee Corso, David Pollock, the whole gang. Is Sean, who else there. is going to be there? Uh, I weekend. am actually going to be there, too. Who else is going to be there? You and who else? Me and my boy Seawall will be there right. together. We're going together, guys. It's going to be really We're going to make our own sign. Y'all look for us you on know, TV, gonna... for sure. We're going to be we're gonna be right under the Gator Country section. It's pretty much section 30. We're only 11 rows up, man. We're going to be seeing all the touchdowns in action this week. Oh, so. great. Great seats. Great oh, for seats, for sure. sure. But we get to talk about college football later, so... Uh, Right now, our first segment is going to be NFL. Like always. And like you said, we're going to dip into our fantasy weeks. I know you got to, you're got you in a couple leagues. And uh, this week, me and Colton did play. It was a nail-biter. Uh, I did edge him out, 124 uh. points. So we're <laughs> 124.7 to 120. It's the only thing he's beat me in this week, guys, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Except for basketball. And oh, whatever, dude. You're such a liar. <laughs> such a liar. All right. But – uh. Some of my big-time performers this week were Austin Eckler, uh, again, Always. had almost 30 points, 29.2. I'm interested to see how uh, Anthony Lynn's going to use uh, him while Mevin Gordon comes back and whatnot, kind of ease him away in the offense. Yeah. But I think as good as he's been doing, you got to keep giving him touches. And then Cooper Cup had another great week uh, for the Rams at 26.9 points. I do need a lot of – Deshaun Watson needs to pick it up for me if I'm going to have a chance at winning this league. Right now I'm 3-1 and one and off to a good start. Well, hey, you're off to a good start for sure. I mean, me, on the other hand, in this league, I'm struggling tremendously. This is the league I'm not proud of. I think I say it every single week that I'm not. Um, like Sean said, he edged me out. I was very sad about that, honestly, because – I like beating Sean no matter what it is competitively, whether it's our team is facing, whether it's me whooping him in one-on-one basketball, whether it's, you know, because Sean, for some reason growing up, Sean just always thought he was a point guard, guys, and he's not. And I don't know if you all know Sean personally, but this man, he is probably the most athletic big man ever in the history. That's that's one thing I'll give to you, Sean. You're very athletic for your size, but he's never I've, a point guard. I've transformed to a shooting guard. Oh, whoa, but you're so, so you're still considered a guard. Is that what you're saying? You're not yes. a guard. You're not a guard. <laughs> anyways, well, sorry, I'm getting off topic. But uh, anyways, yeah, another week that went very, very bad for me in fantasy. Sean edged me out, like you said. Josh Allen made sure that I didn't win this matchup. I don't know if you, <laughs> I don't know if you, anybody even watched the Buffalo uh, Pats game this week, but uh, I mean, Josh Allen looked absolutely horrible from the get go. I kind of feel bad for him, and I, I'm not, you know, I don't want to blame him entirely. I messed up in other areas as well. Um, you know, my big hits for the whole week, just from all three of my teams that I own for fantasy, Fournette did really well for me. Gurley did well for me. Rogers did well for me. Honestly, I'm at the point where I might start, you know, Chris Godwin over Mike Evans because Chris Godwin is just putting up numbers right now. It's insane. <laughs> um, one thing that I did mess up on this week was Jarvis Landry in one of my leagues. I sat him 
Oh. And I want to put him in the flex because I looked at the Josh Gordon matchup against Buffalo, and I was like, you know, Buffalo has a good defense, but I feel like, you know, the P- Patriots are just too good right now. They'll expose that defense a little bit. And boy, was I wrong because if anybody watched, Jarvis Landry put up some numbers. Jarvis Landry was due, too. Dude, yes, he was due, and I, that was just the worst hit. I battled with it. I probably switched them out, like, at least four different times in my flex. I had Jarvis Landry in there for a day, then I'd have Josh Gordon there for a day, and then I finally, you know, after going <laughs> back and forth, I just played Gordon. But anyways, you know, that was my worst play of the week. Uh, Will Will Lutz is by far uh, my best player on my team against Sean. <laughs> Will Lutz is just putting up the numbers, bro. He is my best player on the team by far. He's just the most consistent. He puts up 14 to 15 a week. He's a stud, bro. Like, there's nothing there is nothing else to say about it. But overall, need to improve. Uh, still undefeated in one of my leagues, which is good, making me the only undefeated team in that league. I'm now 4-0, which is nice. And I played, you know, three really tough teams um, in that league already. So um, that's really about it for my fantasy take. I don't want to talk about my crappy team against you. I'm just so sick of talking about them. Hopefully I can start winning soon, that's for sure. But – We'll see. Well, Lord knows you need to. Oh, so, yes, um, he does. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, something that really came across the NFL this week it was a particular person that has a bad rep in the league, uh, Vontez Burfecht. Uh, the league has handed him a year-long suspension, so he will miss 12 games, which means 12 checks, and will not be getting paid for the rest of the year. Uh, I do not – have a lot of respect for this uh, in the game, <laughs> the way that it's going on. But uh, go well, ahead. Hold on, hold on. So, yeah, you know, I want you to go and say why you don't have respect for this. What what is what is the factor for you? Why you don't like this that much? This do you are you saying you don't like the suspension? Or are you saying you don't like perfect as a player? I don't like perfect as a person. Okay, okay. Well, why? Um, to me, to me, it screams a, a huge character problem. Uh, you could saw you saw him after he hit uh, Doyle on Sunday. Bad. Him running off the field, kind of smiling, laughing, jogging off. Like, yep. I've done this before. I'll see you guys. I'll see you guys in uh, three weeks when I get back. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he was expecting like a two game suspension. But I feel like the league really handed it to him here. And honestly, twelve game suspension is huge in the National I Football League. I was surprised. League. I'm gonna be honest yeah. with you. I was surprised. They really they really put their foot down. But if you look at his past, man, I mean. Um, he's already been suspended twice for a total of six games for flagrant hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and even last year he tested positive for PED. So you can pretty much almost call him a cheater. Mm-hmm. Um, just a dirty football player. He's been given way too many chances. Yeah. And well, to me, to me, this, there's, no, there's no use for this in the game of football, the way it's been played and how it's trying to protect players more now. So Yeah, I think you definitely hit it on the head when you said – you know, the Jack Doyle hit was completely unnecessary because it was. That was ridiculous. And, and for those who didn't watch that game, Jack Doyle was, all, like, already old enough. I'm, I'm pretty sure the guy, I don't know how old he is, and you look of his age, but the dude's in age for sure. So I don't know how many hits he can take like that. I don't think how many hits anybody can take like that. It's a good thing. But uh, he was obviously, during that play, you know, he was done. The play was over. Perfect. It comes on, you know, full speed ahead, destroys, I mean, absolutely destroys Doyle. Um, and this is where this is all stemming from. Um, you know, I think, like you said, if you look at his past, uh, I read that he actually has received 13 suspensions and fines. 
uh, total with those seven seasons when he was with the Bengals. Uh, if you watch the Bengals <laughs> recently, the Bengals have just looked horrible this season. So he's probably glad he's out of that team. But and that was before he even signed with the Raiders. Um, and you know, two of those suspensions, like you said, for illegal hits. He said he got pinned for PEDs. I mean, the dude just has a very, very bad history. And not only that, he uh, you know he continues to do it. He <laughs> he doesn't learn from his mistakes. Usually, when you get burned, the saying is you learn. Uh, he hasn't learned, that's for sure. But uh, one thing I found kind of intriguing was I read that um, you know the NFL vice president John Runyon uh, he actually wrote a letter to Perfect explaining this decision with a 12 game suspension. I won't go into the whole letter, but just something I thought was interesting. You know, he said there's no mitigating circumstances on this play. Your contact was unnecessary. It was flagrant and should have been avoided. For your actions, you were penalized and disqualified from the game. Following each of your previous rule violations, you were warned by me and each of the jointly appointed officers that future violations will result in escalated accountability measures. However, you have continued to flagrantly abuse rules designated to protect yourself and your opponents from unnecessary risk. And like you said, Sean, he continues to do so. Um, He doesn't care. He doesn't care, obviously. He continues to do these actions. He continues to be a dirty player. Um, And that's just not good for the game. It's not good for kids at home who, you know, are inspired and want to play football and they see guys doing that and they think, you know, oh, is that okay? Can I do that? You know, it's just not, it's not a good look for the entire Oakland organization and Perfect as a whole. Um, You know, Perfect's agent, Lamont Smith, actually came out and said that there will be a hearing for the suspension, that they're going to try to appeal it. Uh, I don't see this being appealed. I don't think the NFL needs to take their foot off the gas here. I I think the NFL needs to keep full steam ahead. They're handling it correctly and move on from it, so... That's really all I got on Perfect, man. I mean, yeah, we're both on the we're both on the same yeah, page are, here with sure. with Perfect and whatnot. But now we can uh, move into we're gonna first time we're doing this this year, but we're four weeks into the NFL season, and we want to kind of throw out a, a top five rankings for uh, who we think the top five teams in the league are. And to me, right now, I'm gonna go down from five to five to one. Okay. And to me, right now, at number five uh, are the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, to me, I just feel like they're really explosive, uh, even though they did not show that on Sunday night against the Saints. But the Saints may or may not be in my top five, so I kind of <laughs> give, the, give them the nod there. Yeah. But uh, Cowboys have a really – the roster is really strong. A lot of solid veterans, a lot of young guys. Um, to me, that mix really, really works well in uh, playoff teams and whatnot because – you got to have experience in the playoffs. That always helps. But also the young guys that are like, committed and don't want to stop working uh, to better themselves in the game. But So Dallas is at five. Uh, I've actually got San Fran and San Francisco at number four. Jimmy G and the boys, uh, just really sneaky, really so, like solid team. Uh, they don't do a whole lot wrong. They don't do like anything really flashy. They just line up and play football and – uh, they try to pick you apart from here and there. That's Kyle Shanahan for you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, really good OC. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna. I I think he's got the chance to win a couple Super Bowls with interesting the way he coaches and whatnot. Interesting. But, um, That's a take. I'm not saying San. I'm not saying San Fran's winning the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> but uh, I hope at not. three, <laughs> at three, I do have the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the way they play without Drew Brees is very very interesting. You know, it's not. It, like you're gonna you fig, you figured there'd be a lot of setback with Drew getting hurt and whatnot, right. but Bridgewater's really stepped in and 
not not completely fill the shoes, but he's getting things done. He's making the plays that he has to to keep the offense moving. And granted, they didn't score a touchdown against Dallas, but that was a Sunday night game. Dallas is a really good football team. Uh, Will Lutz is a great kicker, and they edged him out, so I had to put the Saints at three. Uh, at number two, I have the New England Patriots. Um, yeah, there's really not much to say here. Uh, the Pats have just been really consistent over the, like the past tw- two decades almost. Uh, in their division, they win their division games, and they win close games, and that's a recipe for success. So Tom Brady is at two with the Pats, and at number one, I've got – my Mahomey, Patrick Mahomes. Oh boy, everyone's Just like the Mahomie. commercial, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the Chiefs are really explosive. Um, yeah. I was listening and I could see, heard people talk like over the past week on sports shows and whatnot. But the red zone for the Chiefs is like midfield and in. Like once they get across the fifty, they're in the red zone. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how explosive their offense is. Yeah. So if they keep playing well and uh, type some things on the defense. I've got them ranked at number one. Yep. You know what? That's actually a really good top five. Um, we have similar teams in there, different order. Um, there's actually one team I have in there that I know you're probably going to be like, what are you talking about? Um, and they're they're not high. They're, they're definitely lower by the five and four number. But um, for me, um, I actually have the Saints at number five. Uh, for me, the reason I have the Saints that low – um, is because, you know, like you said, I've, I actually have been very impressed um, with Teddy Bridgewater coming in, filling those shoes. You can't really fill those shoes. It's Drew Brees, you know, it's hard to do that. Uh, but he's done, you know, all the necessary things to help them keep winning football games. I don't think they're the same offense without Drew Brees. And I think, you know, they, they still have to play some pretty good teams without Drew Brees, and that's going to be a struggle for them. Um, but for them to keep winning games is already impressive enough um, and get, to get it done. Anytime your team wins a football game, that's a good thing, regardless. Oh, yeah, um, no doubt. So I think, you know, I have the Saints at number five. I, I wanted to put them up a little, up a little bit higher, excuse me. But um, I just, I don't know, without Breeze, I just don't think they're the same dynamic team. Um, so I have them at number five. For me... You're gonna you're gonna be like, what are you talking about? You you put the don't f- say the bears. <laughs> Am I right? I have the bears at number oh, four, and the reason God. listen listen the reason I have the oh. bears at number four, and there's a reason they're at number four. Honestly, I probably should switch and put the bears at five, Saints at four. That's probably more realistic. But I, how did I know you were doing that? I don't know. You just know <laughs> me, I guess. But. The Bears, man, it's just that defense, bro. Their defense is arguably one of the best in the NFL, um, if not the best, in my opinion. They're they're so good on defense, and they always usually have a pretty defensive style team. Um, my thing with them, the only reason you know they're even in this conversation is because of their defense. Now, if they could even get something, even the slightest thing figured out on offense, if something with Trubisky could work out and he just looks like an actual NFL quarterback, because sometimes he shows up and he doesn't, he looks like a fool, but if he could just show up weekly, be consistent, get, you know, just do the little things around on offense, this team has the potential to be very, very good with that defense. Um, that's the only reason they're in this conversation, obviously. I think their defense is stout. Um, they got so many playmakers on that defensive front, um, and that's why I have them at number four. And I know you think I'm crazy, and I'm sure other people might think I'm crazy, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think it's way too early to tell anything right now. I mean, these this Power Five that we're putting out there for you guys. It's still fun to do. It's so fun. Oh, exactly. It's very fun to do. That's why we're doing it. But, you know, that's why I can put the Bears in my top five, and even though it may sound silly, we still don't know yet. You know what I mean? 
Um, cool. At number three, I got the Cowboys. I'm a little bit higher. Um, I believe you had them at five. I think they're very dynamic. I think they've been very impressive in each game. Um, I think they will continue to impress me as they go. Um, I think Elliott, with him coming back, was huge for them in their offense. I think Dak is playing the best football he's played since he's been in the NFL. Um, our, you know, Obviously, we didn't see that as much in their past matchup, but they're just they're very good, I think, uh, through their first couple games, and I think they'll continue to play at that high level. Um, at number two, I actually got the Chiefs. Um, I switched uh, and I put, a little bit of flip flop. Yeah, I did the flip flop. So I got the Chiefs at number two, and the only reason I have the Chiefs at number two and not number one was because you know they had a little hiccup against the Lions, and it really wasn't a hiccup. The Lions are playing pretty good right now, but um, I just expected them to be a little bit more dominant in that showing. Um, and even you could even argue and say that the Patriots did not look very dominant against Buffalo. And Buffalo played played the Patriots very well, and Buffalo has a very fantastic defense as well. Um, but I just think the Patriots have more playmakers. I think they have more experience. They, they've been in the Super Bowl before. They continue to always go to the Super Bowl and win. They just know how to win. Um, so out of those 4 no teams, I just had the Patriots at number one just because of that experience. But if Patrick Mahomes keeps firing on all cylinders, bro, I mean, they, they look very, very good, the Chiefs do. And uh, if they continue to put up points like they do, um, they almost – can just walk their way to the Super Bowl. I mean, they just look so good, you know. And if they continue to win, if the Patriots continue to win, you know, we'll see that matchup later on in the season. But as of now, yeah, they're definitely yeah, they'll definitely favorites play, to win it right now. I, I would love to see that matchup, but I mean, like we said, too early to tell anything right now. But that's my number two Chiefs, and the Patriots are number one, of course, for good reason. So, <laughs> well, you can't. I mean, you can't really knock either either of those top five. They they kind of have justice for both of them, but um. Now we're going to pick some NFL games. Uh, the three games we're going to pick are Packers at Cowboys okay. and uh, Browns at 49ers. And what's this, What's the third one? Colts I can't and Chiefs. What. Ooh, yeah. that's right. Colts at Chiefs. Yep. Okay, well, the first one we're going to do is the Packers at Cowboys. And the Cowboys are by three and a half right now. Yep. Uh, to me – this is kind of a redemption game for both teams. Uh, the defense, Packers defense got embarrassed last week uh, by a struggling Eagles offense, and uh, Dallas struggled moving the ball, uh, particularly the run game against the Saints. Right. Um, to me, I feel like Dallas wins this game at home, and they get a bounce-back win in Jerry World. So and I'm taking Jerry the Cowboys. World, yeah. I, all right, we'll do these picks pretty quick, but um, I won't ramble on like I usually do. <laughs> but – um, like you said, I think, uh, you know, Cowboys have a bounce back game here. Um, I think they have a good enough defense to limit Green Bay's offense. Um, and that Green Bay offense is the same offense that only scored 10 points in its only road game this season. Uh, Dallas has won the seven straight home games, allowing no more than 23 points, according to my statistics I got earlier. Um, Dallas's offense is going to play great against the Green Bay defense that has done well uh, to this point, but I think it's, this is their first test as a defense. And because of that, like you said, Jerry World, I think they're at home. The Cowboys are going to be successful in this game, so I got the Cowboys in this one as well. Jerry World. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, now we got to pick uh, the Colts at Chiefs. Um, this is kind of a weird game. Um, the Chiefs are favored by 11, so it's looking kind of like it's going to be a blowout. Yeah. But uh, Could be. The Colts got dominated this past week, <laughs> yeah, this Sunday, did. against the Raiders. Um, and the Raiders aren't – far from being a good team, but they're not a good team right now. Right. Um, the Colts' red zone defense is a problem. Um, Huge problem. Yeah, the Chiefs The Chiefs struggled with the Lions this week, but I think the Lions uh, are a better football team than people give them credit right. for. 
Patrick Mahomes didn't have a touchdown this past week, and I think he makes up for it with like four or five this week. So <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely going for the Chiefs. Yeah, I think you said it best. I think when you when you're a team like the Colts and you've been struggling in red zone defense, and then you have a team like the Chiefs who thrive in red zone offense, that's a huge mismatch. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to expose that. I think it's a pretty simple choice in this one. Um, I think the Chiefs are definitely going to win this football game. I don't know if it'll be like a huge blowout. It's professional football, but I think the Chiefs definitely control this game for the most part. Um, I don't even know if T.Y. Hilton's coming back for this game. I need to check in on that because I have him on one of my teams. But regardless if he comes back or not, I don't think it makes much of a difference for the Colts' <laughs> offense. No. Um, Chiefs are just simply too good, man, um, especially on offense like we said. So Mahomes, like we just said, you know, uh, he's been looking great so far this season. Didn't score last week, but – uh, he makes up for it this game, and Chiefs will win. So, Okay. Um, take the lead for this uh, Browns at 49ers. Right. You like picking the Browns games. Yeah. You know what? We actually have covered the Browns a lot this this season. They're the fun podcast, to cover. Which, it's a really I mean, good they team. They have a lot of hype. They have a lot of hype around them, you know. So, um, you know, I would be very surprised if this is a low-scoring game. Um, we've seen, like you talked about Kyle Shanahan's offense earlier. I mean, he's firing away right now, and the 49ers are surprising people. Um, and we know the talent that the Browns possess on offense. They have a lot of talent on on offense, and when it's clicking, it's clicking. Uh, you know, I think the 49ers could shut down the Browns' offense for a while, I, but I doubt that really happens. I think things will get a little crazy in the fourth quarter. I think it's going to be close. Um, I think it's, it will be a higher-scoring game. I would love to see a higher-scoring game because that's very entertaining. Um, I think the Browns just have so much talent to be held under 14 to 20 points. Again, the 49ers' defense isn't, like, the best, you know. Uh, I think Jimmy Jimmy G's release is just so quick that the Browns defensive line, it'll be hard for them to contain him all game. Uh, I think overall the Browns proved themselves last week to me when I didn't pick them. Um, and they also proved themselves to a lot of others by beating the Ravens. And I think they come in, and they, I think they're going to hand the 49ers their first loss. I'm going to take the Browns. I'm going to go with the little the little uh, quick pick here. You know, I, I wanted to pick the 49ers, but I'm going to switch up, man. I think the Browns can win this one, so I'm going to go with the Browns this week. Mm, good pick. Um, Is it a good pick? Last week, we'll see. Last week uh, was, to me, Baker's best win in the National Football League. Uh, the Browns' defense was very physical. Uh, Jimmy, Like I said earlier, Jimmy G has his team very sneakily undefeated right now. And Matt Breida and uh, Kittle are proving to be really reliable players for that offense. Um, I like the Browns' swagger, but... Jimmy G was the son, is the son of Tom Brady. And uh, Tom <laughs> Brady has taught him all his tricks. And Jimmy G and the 49ers beat the Browns this week at home. I think that's a good pick. I, I wanted to go with them, but, you know, I'm now 0-2 for picking for and against the Browns. So I'm trying to hit on one of them. <laughs> so I think I'm going to try to hit this week. And I think they can upset the 49ers. I mean, they're the underdogs, right? The Browns are the underdogs in this game, correct? Yeah, they are. Yeah, so I think mm-hmm. they can go in and upset them. We'll see. I'm just going to do the quick pick here and pick the Browns upset. So, Well, well, that's going to do it for our uh, NFL segment that we have today. Uh, our next segment, we're going to be talking about college football and things surrounding it that we might uh, have little predictions for. Heck yeah, you guys stick around. We'll see you soon. Welcome back, guys. This is going to be our second segment, and you guys always know our second segment is college football. We are super excited for this week, obviously, because the Auburn Tigers are playing the Florida Gators in the Swamp mm-hmm. on game day. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
there's been interesting things being tossed around college football right now. And Colton, I'm gonna let you go ahead and take away the uh, the bill yeah. that California has passed to go in effect in 2023. Right. So um, for anybody that listened to our podcast, I, I don't know if it was episode three, or episode four. It was definitely in the past several weeks. Um, we had actually discussed this bill and what it entailed, like what was within the bill, how Governor Newsom was, you know, thinking about, you know, signing this bill, putting it into place, what that would do to the NCAA. Um, and so now we fast forward to present right now, and that bill has been signed. It has been put through legislature in California, and it is, you know, good to go. And actually, they did a special, Sean. I don't know if you saw the special with uh, LeBron and other athletes where they brought him in. Yeah, I was going to mention that later. I'll let you go into that. I won't talk about that. No, 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 no. I have something (laughs) negative to say about that. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I just thought it was interesting because I didn't know what this guy looked like, this, you know, Governor Newsom guy. It was interesting to see what he looked like, how, you know, he signed it when he was with them. And to them, that's, you know, sports history. And in a way, it is sports history because – you know, nothing like this has ever been implemented before. Um, personally, what I think, um, I think this is dangerous uh, for the NCAA. Um, I think it can be a kiss of death in a way if other states begin to, you know, implement this same bill. Because the problem, and, you know, I've talked about this with my friends and you as well, Sean, you know, not on the podcast, but the problem with this whole situation is with California being the ringleader in all of this, if other states begin to, you know, go through what California has done. They adopt this bill. They decide that they want to do it for their their own state to, you know, basically benefit their own college athletes to, you know, have their own likeliness, their jersey numbers, et cetera, you know, benefited. Then what's the point of having the NCAA at this point? Because to me, it's not amateur sports at that point anymore. It's going to turn into professional sports. No, it's not. And, um, you know, if other states begin to implement this, no matter what year it it falls under, you know, it's not going to be a good sign for the NCAA. I think the NCAA might have to take a different approach if that is, you know, to come to fruition here because, um, you know, simply the NCAA has been the, you know, rules and regulators of college football for years now, for a very long time. Um, And with this occurring, it could pose as a problem. But basically – the only states that I've read in the past two weeks that have followed California's lead has been Florida and New York. Florida actually just announced theirs today. I read an article on ESPN that they are putting through a bill right now that is very similar to California's. I don't think it's exactly um, adopting the same exact procedures, but it's pretty much the same thing. Athletes can benefit off their likeliness, jersey numbers, etc. Um, and New York actually put theirs through a week ago. Um, and those are two pretty big states. I mean, there's a lot of people that live in New York. Obviously, Florida has a ton of people that live in Florida, and there's a lot of sports in Florida, especially, you know, with those big D1 schools like Florida, Florida State, Miami, um, you know, more. So I think it's a huge deal, and, um, you know, this could just be the leading edge that, you know, California has taken to where everyone else adopts it. So that's really where I'm at with it. Um, as of now – 2023 is a long way away, but at the same time, it's coming right around the corner. You know, like that's in the next what five years. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely it's gonna let it's it's giving the NCAA time to make some adjustments right. if that way they can ultimately repeal it if they want. Right. To. So you know, um, will we actually see this? You know, come through? We I, it's too early to say. You know, because you know if California is the only state that adopts this bill and this practice then other and other states don't follow their lead then this kind of you know goes dead in the water because 
then California athletes won't be benefited by the NCAA because no one's watching their sport. They don't have a field to play on. No, they can't schedule. I mean, yeah, they get no publicity to go get go out there and get their advertisements and their and their, their endorsements, right? Because no one's watching them. If they can't compete on a field of level with other NCAA football teams, uh, basketball teams, soccer teams, you know, all the sports, then what's the point of all this? You know, if, I think what Newsom thinks in this situation, I think Newsom truly thinks that by signing this bill, he is the leader. He's going to set the trend for every other state to finally adopt what he has done and he can change the face of college sports by doing this and giving athletes that extra pay that extra money um and like we've already talked about before you know i think one thing that athletes it may you know change when they get to college but you play because you love the game and if you are only worried about your endorsements you're only what you're being paid you're already getting paid technically by the university you're getting scholarships you know food etc there's we don't need to get in that discussion but um, you know, if I think Newsom really truly thinks that he's setting, you know, the script here for other states to fall in line. And if other states don't fall in line, then this doesn't seem like a big deal anymore because it won't be implemented at all, I feel like. Because if those California teams can't compete, then what's the point? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I mean, here's my thing. If you don't want to go to college and play football, go to semi-pro. <laughs> go play semi-pro football until you're eligible to right. the draft. You know what I mean? If you want to go get paid to play football, go play semi-pro football somewhere in a big city where uh, 2,000 people show up on Thursday nights to watch you play. And You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's just it's just idiotic. Uh, to me, this bill is passed, and if others follow suit, it could be the downfall of college football. It could be, and or it could be it could be different. It could – college football could take a different direction. I don't see, I don't see this going well. I see a lot of uh, – Entitlement and just a lot of uh, this is just getting really bad, badly looked upon, yeah. and by a lot of people, not just you know. And the thing is, uh, like I told you, I think I told you the, uh, two days ago, but my buddy, like you know, he's been hearing rumors, he reads up on a lot of this stuff, and he's apparently the state of California already has like a plan within their organization to create their own organization. And inviting teams into it, basically kind of like their own league yeah. and whatnot, just in case the NCAA doesn't bite. Right. But I don't think it's going to come to that. But I do hate. I hate what's going on and how it's being done. Yeah. For example, like the the bill being signed on the shop. Yeah. Um, the shop. <laughs> that, yeah. That. I mean, that, like it's almost like LeBron's taking credit for this, and uh. all these players, Richard Sherman, Draymond Green. All these players are taking credit for it, and it's 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 just it's terrible. I think it's those asinine. guys, what they're doing is they kind of probably wished. And my thing with LeBron is he didn't even play college basketball, so why does he even care? <laughs> no offense, yeah. like you know, obviously if he was to come up in today's age, the rule is you have to play one year of college basketball before you can go in the draft. So if he was yeah. to come up now and become like the LeBron James now, he would have to play in college. So that's why it's a bigger deal. But back in his day, dude, when he came up in 2003, he didn't have to. He didn't even play in college. He just came straight from high school. <laughs> so I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, I mean, if you came out of high school and you just knew you wanted to go to the NFL, and you know, you don't have to play football in college. It's not like you don't have to play right. football in college to go play in the NFL. Right. That's like, what there's you other said. options. But the thing is, but pro, the better option, the best football. option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The best option is to go to college right. and get an education, and. But, you know, some people don't want to do that nowadays. All they care about is money and their likeness. Ah, well. So, 
That's gonna. We're gonna stop talking about that. <laughs> You're getting a little fired uh, get, up. I, I can sense it in his voice, guys. Bit. He's getting a little. He's getting a little tense talking about the subject. So. <laughs> yeah, I get a little fired up on that subject, but now this is kind of like a little creative subject we have here. But kind of like how would uh, the question is how would you run the playoff system if you were in charge? Yeah. And. Go I'm ahead. And, okay, uh, yeah, I'll go first, but I'm one. very, you know, I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. They could, we could see some similarities. Um, basically, I'll keep mine not too long about how I would run the playoff system because it's kind of simple the way I would do it. Um, you know, right now, currently, obviously, there's four teams. Uh, people get very upset because, you know, especially if you're a top five football team and you're not, you know, you're the first one out. That kind of sucks, obviously, because your team has done, you know, enough at that point to be considered to be in the college football playoff. Um, you saw how, like, last year, how Clemson strummed Notre Dame when, obviously, you could have put another team in there that would have probably fared better than Notre Dame. Um, and these are probably questions that will be, you know, risen every single time until we extend the playoffs or extend the range of the playoffs. Um, you know, I think one thing before I go into what I would do that I want to mention in this is it's hard, you know, from a player's perspective, I feel like those guys – already play what 12 games there's 12 games in regular season schedule sometimes 11 I don't know the exact number and then not only that if your team's good you go play a conference championship and then not only that you gotta play two more games you reach the national championship you gotta play the semifinals and the finals so you know I remember in 2016 when they asked that Clemson linebacker and I'm actually forgetting his name now um, it's the the guy with the big beard. It was a stud Clemson linebacker in 1601, and he was so good. I can't remember his name. Someone's going to have to, you know, remind me later. But I remember he was getting interviewed after they won the national championship in 2016, and he even said, you know, the, an, an interviewer asked him, could you imagine playing another game after this? And he said, no, I could not. I'm exhausted. I, can't, I cannot play another game after this. We've done so much to get here. All I can think about is how we won, which obviously in the moment there's – Well, you can say soft, but the thing is when you're in that position, you've played so many games in the season – you know, it's hard when you have to go not only play a conference championship and then play two more games. It's football, man. I know it's football. And the thing is, if you really realistically think about it, when you go to the NFL, you have to play 16 games plus playoff games. So re- realistically— They're talking about making an 18-game, like a 17-game, 18-game schedule in the NFL. Right. Man. So what's crazy is this will only benefit those guys that want to go to the next level by playing more football games. But I think maybe the reason he said that at the time was because, obviously, he just won the national championship. He's not thinking about playing another football game. He's done. He's yeah. finished. So does he, did he actually mean that in the moment? Probably not. Did he? Maybe. You know, we don't know. But that's what I just wanted to say beforehand. You don't want to make these kids play too many games if they don't want to. It's not that they don't want to, but you don't want to – if they're worn out and they are tired and, you know, the system works, and why stop it? But the thing is, I do think it should be extended. I'm a believer that the playoff system should be extended more than four – uh, teams because it should. Um, personally, I think they could do an eight-team playoff. I think the way it would work is obviously the field would be you'd have five power conference champions, um, which obviously you could you know SEC, ACC, Big Twelve, Big Ten, etc. And then you have th- uh, three at-large bids is is the way I look at it. And they're all ranked by committee. Obviously, um, the five would be the conference champions. The power five conference champions would be admitted. Uh, hopefully they've won most of their games, and then you have your th- your three at large bids for your next three. So then that would be you know six, seven, eight slot would be filled by someone else. Obviously you'd have to have two or three out, so that'd be number nine, number ten um, teams. Um, 
that would, you know, be screaming on the outside, why aren't you letting us in? And that's always going to happen. No matter what system you put in place, <laughs> there's always going to be a team saying, well, why didn't you put me in place? Um, you know, why did, I, why did my team not make it? Do you all scrutinize against us? Like, we did everything we could to get here. There's always people that are going to be on the out. That's just how the way the world works in sports. You just – you shouldn't have to worry about that if your team's winning in fashion that they should be winning. And that's why I always say, if your team's winning in a fashion that they should be winning, and you're good. Um, but I think five champions and three at-large teams are the best way to do it. I think you'd have the quarterfinals sometime mid-December. And I think you'd do the semifinals on New Year's Eve or day. Uh, and then the finals mid-January. And I think that spaces out the games perfectly. It gives them time to break so they can't say they're tired. And, you know, I think home if you... You want to get bowls involved, obviously, that's fine. But, you know, if you give home field advantage to the top four seeds, that makes regular season games more meaningful at that point. So you want to win those games. Um, so, yeah, that's how I would do the playoff system, eight-team eight system. Obviously, there's going to be two or three teams on the outs, five conference champions, and then three at-large bids. That's the way I see it extending to. And I, it, it gives us a chance to watch more football, have more fun, and possibly your team getting into the playoff at the end. So, Yeah. Um, I like that. I really do. Um, uh, mine's kind of similar, but way different at the same time. Okay. But um, basically, uh, I would have a Power 5 uh, national champion, and I would have a non-Power 5 national champion. Um, each uh, playoff would have six teams. So you'd have the five conference winners um, from, like you said, the ACC, SEC, Pac-12, Big Ten, and whoever else I'm forgetting. Um, and then you also have the non-Power 5 with the MAC, uh, eh, Sunbelt, uh, AAC, those teams. Right. But each conference champion would get a bid, and then you'd have to choose one bid, one at-large bid, to give to a team um, that um, obviously that a certain committee feels like they deserve their way in. But instead of sticking this team at the end – you can stick them wherever you want to where you see fit. So basically, if the at-large team is and in the SEC conference and Alabama wins it, but Georgia loses, but they still think Georgia is still a better team than, say, Oklahoma that wins the Big 12, then Georgia would be put in front of Oklahoma right. and the playoffs will play out yeah, like that. Yeah, I get it. Um, <clears throat> I, I, think the, I think they do need to – my big point here was to really have a non-Power 5 champion because yeah. – a lot of these teams, like I, I go to a non-power five school, but a lot of these teams, you know, they after after they lose a game or two, like one game, they don't have anything really to look forward to, other than you know being like a conference champion. But if they have the ability to, to accept themselves, like to possibly getting into a playoff, if they win their conference, run the table, and stuff like that, I think it only makes those unimportant games that we don't want to watch now more important. For sure. So. I definitely think it definitely makes it more important. That's a good setup, man. That's not a bad – I mean, it's very similar to mine, I feel like. And I think, you know, like you said, another thing we have to keep in account too is with those non-Power 5 schools, like, you know, you go to Troy University. And I'm not – I don't want this to sound, you know, offensive. But when you have a team like Alabama or Clemson, they have so much talent on that football team. And you have a team like Troy, say they go undefeated. Um, they're not playing, you know, very strong opponents compared to these other teams. 
you know, they could be considered. But what do you think would happen if you put Troy and Alabama? You know, I think a Troy Alabama matchup would be awesome, by the way, because they're both in Alabama. But just imagine putting Troy. It would get stopped. Exactly, because <laughs> you already know in advance. And that was yeah. the argument against UCF a couple years ago. And you can't blame you can't blame the committee. You can't blame them for that. Right. But he, the thing that was different about UCF is they actually did prove themselves. They beat Auburn in that game. Um, but still, you know, UCF, you saw them lose to bid a couple weeks ago. Um, you just never know with those low teams. It's just their schedule, no matter how good they are, when they play those big boys, it's the, it's always, it's like the case of, you know, there's always the big brother and there's a the little brother and a family. And when you're the big brother, you're just, you matured faster, you grew faster, you're always going to be stronger because you're older. And these yeah. little brothers are always going to be the little brothers. I just don't see it changing. Um, you know, that's just my opinion. A lot of people would disagree with me on that, but that's just how it works. And you know, you have a team like UCF, you know, Troy, other teams that usually traditionally aren't, you know, super big football teams. Boise State. Boise State, right. Like, they, they're doing very well right now. They've been successful the past couple of years. But that hype's going to die down in the next couple of years, let's just be honest. It will. So, but I think your system's good. I think it's perfect. Um, well, perfect's kind of re- stretching because it's not true yet. We don't we don't know how it's going <laughs> to work when it comes to fruition, but – uh, we'll have to wait and see. It's one of those things where I definitely think they've already talked about extending the playoffs anyways um, since they've implemented yeah. the system in the first place. We just don't know when. It's a matter of when at this point, you know? So, anyways. Well, um, now what's, uh, we can spend a, a couple minutes uh, talking. This kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the playoff and whatnot, oh, yeah. but, like, how would you schedule – how would you handle scheduling uh, in the college football? For me um, – I think this is a little over my head sometimes just because there's a lot to discuss in this topic logistics-wise. When you go into scheduling football games, especially if you're doing like non-conference, home-and-homes, whatever, in reality, you know, obviously it's just two teams playing football. But realistically, you have two athletic directors working together to take into account specific dates, travel plans, you know, family transportation systems and more. There's a lot more. It's like a lot of number crunching, I guess, is what you could say. And um, me personally, I'm not very good at numbers. I'm, I'm not a math uh, STEM guy. I'm just not. I love writing and reading. I've never been good at numbers, and that's why these athletic directors are hired to do you know these things. Um, you know, there's so many things that go into account when you schedule football games. Um, and so, for me though, the way I would do it, if I was given the reins, let's just say I was given the reins for a you know. Let's say I'm the athletic director at Fresno State or something. You know, I'm a California guy. So I'm at Fresno State. I've been there two years. I'm trying to find non-conference teams to schedule. For a team like Fresno State, where you're traditionally not as strong as a Power 5 team would be, um, you know, you're kind of on the outs for the most part. No one really discusses my team as much. I want to schedule harder teams I just do as for my non-conference because my conference isn't the strongest I want to you know maybe bring an SEC opponent in there because that would you know obviously that would be awesome to look on my schedule but then if you look at the other side of the picture when you are a big team like a big Pac-10 Big 12 Big 10 SEC team and you're looking at your non-conference schedule you want to schedule a lower ranked team to sometimes to give your players the you know game time experience get them in the flow of rhythm and you're also helping the system by helping those lower ranked teams giving them more money they benefit you as well as for giving you a win for the hopefully if you don't lose that game no doubt um, 
but at the same time, you don't want the haters saying, well, you haven't played any good games. And that is always the case. You always, I think the bottom line of this, no matter what you do, if you're non-conference schedule, scheduling football games as a whole, I think that people are always going to talk. Opposing fans are always going to say something about something. Someone somewhere will always have something to say, no matter what topic it is, whether it's sports, politics, religion, doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll go – so pretty simple. I would schedule home and homes with Power 5 teams – um, that way, both teams can benefit from each other, regardless. Um, obviously, you want to not upset the upset the system, so you still need to, you know, schedule those FCS opponents. Um, I think overall, everyone wants to have a somewhat tough schedule, so then those fans have nothing to say at the end of the week, like at the end of the year. For example, when Auburn always plays a tough schedule, because we Auburn is definitely notorious for playing a, always a tough schedule in college football. They're in the SEC West. The SEC West has been strong for many years now, and they always have, and especially with Alabama being so dominant, that's their rival, like their prime time rival. That always makes Auburn's schedule one of the hardest, and it has made Auburn's schedule the hardest in the last decade. Um, so I think, um, you know, those are the things I would do. I would try my best to schedule a lot of home and homes with other Power Five teams, so both can benefit each other, whether it's ticket sales, drink sales, regardless. Um, but you also need to take an account. You got to schedule some FCS schools as well. So I really wouldn't change that much. I feel like I would do what a lot of ADs do now. And just, and you know, if a team like Texas wants to play Florida, like they want to in 2029, 2030, then do it. If a team like Towson wants to come play us and we pay them a million and they give us a free W on the schedule, we give them money, they benefit us, we get a W, then there you go. Um, people are always going to say something. So that's how I would do it, you know? So I, I have, I have the, Perfect, perfect situation. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> I mean, it is literally perfect to handle scheduling. It gives the fans uh, excitement. It gives players excitement. Okay, tell um, me, please. All in all, it uh, it may take power away from the ads, but that's part of life. So basically, everybody would play an eight conference game schedule. So you'd have eight conference games. All right. The second thing, you would allow the ad. Allow the AD to schedule two out-of-conference games. Say, here, here's two games. You can go schedule. We recommend you go schedule Towson, Kent State, uh, Youngstown State, those kind yeah. of teams. Those are your teams where you can say, all right, you can have homecoming. You can count those as free Ws. You get two homecoming. games to schedule. <laughs> What's wrong with scheduling a homecoming right. against a, a good school, Sean? Do you have a problem with that? No, don't worry about <laughs> it. Um, Okay, and then the third one. This is my most, most interesting one. I think it would be awesome. Okay. Uh, so the NCAA will take control and schedule the remaining two games on a live TV ESPN lottery system, and they have to be Power 5. So basically, um, so you say, okay, you have a conference set out. So let's just say the Big 12. Okay. All right. And then everyone, everyone that's not in the Big Twelve, that's in a Power Five, would go into a wheel. Okay. Okay, and then you take you take a Big Twelve team out, and be like, okay, oh, we got Oklahoma. All right, Oklahoma's home game this year will be take it out of the wheel. Yeah. And it's like Michigan State, and they would play. And then you go Oklahoma's away game this year would be, doom, um, Wisconsin. Stuff like that would bring super excitement to college football and it would mix up the scheduling and whatnot every single year. It would. And it would be way more balanced. Yeah, you know so. what? That's actually really good. I mean, I feel like you've definitely thought this through. I, I, you've talked to me about this before in the past, just us hanging out. And, uh, you know, it's just for me, you know, why do something to a system that's been working for, you know, 
ever <laughs> since college football has been a thing. Um, but it makes sense. I think it would be a good system. I mean, I'm, I'm curious as to why no one has ever thought of doing something like that in the past because college football – I think it would be really fun. No, it would be really fun, and I think it makes it also balanced and fair as well if you put those same rules and regulations to every program. Um, you know, I think – for me, there's just so many logistics that's over my head a little bit because there's so much more to scheduling football games than people realize when you're the AD, um, you know, because you have to look at both team schedules, what week works best for both, stuff like that. So, um, yeah. you know, I, it's a good system, though. I think it's a really good idea. I mean, I've never thought about it that way, and I think it would make it, you know, really balanced as well. Um, but yeah, I think that was good, Sean. Good take, man. I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you an A minus on that one. I can't give right. you an A. Just plus imagine, just imagine, game, like <laughs> sitting on the couch, like sitting on the couch, like you know, like, nothing happens over the summer at college football wise. But just imagine having like, okay, we have college football live. We're announcing uh, matchups uh, that's going to be happening during this football season, and it happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think yeah, for sure. That'd be really fun. I think it'd be really fun. But uh, anyways, uh, it's going to lead us into our last little bit of this segment. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of who's in and who's out right now with your top four through five weeks of the college football season. Yep. Um, all right, we'll just spend about a couple minutes on yeah, this I'll make one it and shorter. take it away. Make it shorter. Um, for me, very simple at this point. Still early. We always say that because we're very early in our season of the podcast. But, um, you know, for me, it's still very simple who's in right now and who's out. Um, I got Alabama. I got Georgia. I got Clemson. And I got Ohio State. I'm actually putting Ohio State in there right now because they have actually played. They haven't played anybody quite yet. This is their first week against Michigan State where they might be tested a little bit, especially on the offensive end. But those four teams just look dominant to me. They just they're dominating. I mean, Clemson is the only team arguably that has obviously hasn't dominated at this point. They had a very very frightful scare against North Carolina last weekend, but they still won the football game. And obviously, people can be upset by saying, "Why are you leaving Clemson in there?" But when you win a football game, like we always say, Sean, you won. You found a way to win you're still 5-0 and at that point, it doesn't matter. And, um, you know, if they're if they're due to lose when they play a tougher team, then they will lose. Um, but until this point, when it doesn't matter if they won the national championship last year or not, you got to win football games. But I think another thing to take into account is that if they keep having scares like that against North Carolina, say they have one against um, FSU, whoever else they may play in their you know ACC, ACC schedule, I think if you continue to have those scares, that's when the committee looks and says, well, I don't know. Because when you have teams like Ohio State, LSU, Oklahoma, you know, that have been playing pretty solid and deserve to have a chance to play in the playoff, um, you know, that's when you get a little scared. But my first two out would be LSU and Oklahoma at this point. Um, I'm sure that pisses you off as an Auburn fan, but I just, until, you know, I think Auburn obviously, be, if they beat Florida in the Swamp, and especially if they do it in a fashion where they, if they dominate Florida in the Swamp, that's very impressive. Um, and they still have to go out and beat other SEC West opponents. And then if Auburn can do that, then I'll put them in my top four. But right now, I still got Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State. My first two out would be LSU and Oklahoma. So, okay, um, that's not too bad. But um, my uh, my first two out right now are Oklahoma and Georgia. Interesting. You got Georgia out, huh? I have Oklahoma and Georgia. My first four in are Auburn, LSU, Ohio State, and Alabama. Oh, you put um, Auburn right and now, LSU I looked in your at, final four? I looked, into, I looked at – right now, it's not my job. Right now, it's my job to predict who are the four best teams in college football. 
right now. Okay, well, right when you now, told me this segment, you didn't tell me who the best four teams are college football. You told me you who's in and who's like, out. Who's in, who's out. Yeah, you got to pretend like okay, you're the well, committee. Okay, well, I thought you meant to this day, like right now. No, nah, pretend like you're the committee and who they have to pick. They have to pick Auburn, LSU, Ohio yeah, State, and Bama. I guess Auburn I guess. has the best body of work. LSU has the second best body of work. Ohio State passes the eye test insane amount. <laughs> and Bama is just dominating so every Clemson, single week against weak opponents. So you're – but. So what do you tell Clemson fans? We're undefeated right now. What are you going to tell Clemson fans, Sean? Uh, when people oh, – Oklahoma's defeated. Okay. And so are the other guys that are in. But Clemson's undefeated and they have – Don't don't you say it. Don't you say it. Don't you say they won the national I, I wasn't. Year. I wasn't going to say it. All I'm saying is they are undefeated just like everyone else. And they started the season. And this is what we get in the argument like we did last podcast where we talked about preseason rankings. Clemson's being benefited right now because they had a higher preseason ranking. Therefore, they shouldn't drop because they exactly. won a football game. But listen – whether people believe it or not, the committee it mat okay, so the committee looks at this. It matters how you win and it matters how you lose. Right. I and agree. that's gonna hurt Clemson in this week and in my who's in, who's out. But okay. I think I hit the nail on the head there. I, I don't. I don't think you put Auburn in there. I don't think LSU is quite there yet you either. Have to. You can't. You can't it's Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State. That's just how simple. Plain, simple, easy. You can't put Clemson in there. Uh, no I, I sure win. can. I just did. So Clemson's in there, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. If anything, you can't put Auburn in there. But okay, okay Auburn fan. Why not? We have the two best wins in college <laughs> two, football. Right now. The two best wins in college football against two teams that ha- and the, over the past few weeks have been struggling. Are you kidding me? It's the same well, argument you what, can make for what, Clemson. What? <laughs> Turn on. So let me know. So you're the number. Someone tell me this. You're the so I'm the number one pound per pound fighter, right? And you're the number two pound per pound fighter. All right. We fight, and I absolutely just like dominate you or something, right? Right. So if I dominate you, are you gonna be able to like a week later go and be able to fight at your best? No, because this is fighting. This is not no, football. No, you're not. You're not. So basically, what Auburn does is it cripples these teams, oh. and it it. It just it doesn't make allow them Sean, to be successful. You didn't dominate. You didn't dominate Oregon. You won in the last nine seconds. You were dominating an A and M team at Kyle Field, twenty one three, and then the final score is twenty eight twenty. You let them come back. Same. By the way, may I mention the same A and M team that struggled against a very lousy Arkansas team with a backup quarterback in. Um, you know, man. <laughs> well, I'm gonna pull you right here. A and M and Arkansas always play each other. Good, but see, but I they use that. I use that good. when I talk about Florida, Kentucky, and then y'all y'all bash oh, me for okay, it. Okay, so I'm not I'm not allowed to use it. Right? Oh, but, so but apparently I can't use it either because when I use it for my team, it's so it's not okay. But then when you use it to benefit your team, it's okay. So where does that make sense? I'm not using it. Where's the silver lining, Sean? <laughs> Come on, man. We just win. Well, all you got to do is show up and you win football games. Well, but that's, that's going to be the it for our second segment. <laughs> he's getting out, guys. Um, he knows he's under fire right now. He knows no, he's under fire. The next segment's going to be fire. Uh, the next segment's going to be fire for you. But um, <laughs> okay. we will have a guest picker. Uh, me and Colton know him uh, personally. And it's, no, it's not a secret, but uh, he's a big Auburn Big fan, Auburn so guy. We love him. Y'all bro. be it's looking okay. out, and we'll be back with you. <laughs> All right, guys. Be good. Welcome back, guys. This is going to be our third and final segment of the day. We have guest picks, and today with us is Zach Carter. What's going on? The man, Zach the Carter, myth, the legend. The man. Thank God, in the building. <laughs> <laughs> me, Colton, and Zach used to 
Actually, me and Zach normally used to bust Colton up in the gym at Fusion oh, on a regular basis. Right. I mean, I still <laughs> love him. He could still ball. I'm not going to take it away from him, but I did <laughs> confirm. I want to say it again. I've seen Colton get dunked on. He was laying on his back. <laughs> I love him. Colton would probably give me buckets right now, straight up, because he's one of the runners. He's like the basketball player that you hate to guard. <laughs> Because he's good, yes, but also he just runs for like 45 minutes. <laughs> he's that guy. So hustle, baby. Definitely hey, ball. he can't out be a hustle. And yeah, he won't out be out hustled. But I did see him get dunked on. Uh, <laughs> sure. yeah. Who dunked on me, Zach? Tell him who dunked Brent on Camper. me. Brent Camper. For anybody that knows Brent Camper. I've never seen Brent yam on one person. I've been playing basketball with Brent for like five years now, four or five years. <laughs> Only one person has caught the wrath of Brent Camper. It happened to be Colton Wall on that day. There we were at Fusion. There was a bunch of kids around. They were all going crazy, it was nuts. Uh, it yeah, this is a true story. Anyway. <laughs> this is a true story. Brent probably right, has the clout let's, now, let's... dude. Brent has the clout now. Yeah, let's pick some football games. All right, let's get to um, it. Our first one is going to be UCF, a three and a half point favorite. At Cincinnati. Um, go ahead, Zach. Guess what you think on this game. So the lines that y'all gave me, is that the ones we're picking off of? Or are we? Yes. Okay, so the line you gave me is minus three and a half. UCF is at Cincy. It's right now yep. it's at four. It's gone up to four. So as of right now, UCF getting 74% of the bets, but only 50% of the money. In the big games, I like to look at stuff like that. It's not really what I right. make my pick off of, but I do like to see that just to see where the line might go based on that. I think it get up to like four and a half, and that's when you see it come back down. A couple things. First of all, UCF, top 10, 20-yard plays from scrimmage. Since he's lost 13 straight, top five, 25 mm. teams. Um, UCF freshman quarterback been really good and he was really bad against Pitt so mm -hmm. Pitt and Cincy are about the same in defensive efficiency so really that's the only we'll call it data point that I would look at in that all the other teams they played are not very good defensively I think the highest they they're averaging like 99 defensive efficiency out of like 130 FBS teams mm -hmm. but that being said freshman quarterback sixth in the country QBR um, so on the other side, Cincinnati has been really bad against top 50 defenses. Their current quarterback has been starting for, this is his third year starting now, mm -hmm. versus top 50 defenses. He has thrown, he's 0-3 straight up, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Yeah. Um, he's been really bad. Uh, first game of the year, Cincinnati against UCLA lost three starting linemen. They are playing a right guard at left tackle right now. So that's never <laughs> good. Um, uh, staying on Cincinnati's offense, UCF's defense. UCF has actually been really good at creating negative plays, 58 total negative plays for the year. Fourth in defensive havoc. So defensive havoc is tackles for loss combined with forced fumbles or defense passes or intercepted passes. So essentially negative plays and turnovers. And UCF has been really good at that. Yeah. So with all that being said, I know this is a pick 'em. I'm leaning UCF just because I don't know that it's at Cincy. It's gonna be it's a Friday night game, which is always a shit show. Let's just be real. I've lost <laughs> yeah, a lot of money this year. 
Yeah. Betting Air Force on Friday night. I can't quit. I have a problem. I need help. <laughs> they have literally screwed me. Two straight games. I've doubled down on Air Force twice at halftime. They've covered neither one. Last game, let's not even talk about. Maybe the worst backdoor cover I've ever seen in my entire life. Air Force football needs to be debanded. But we're talking about Cincinnati. Air uh, UCF, my pick is UCF. If the line gets up to four and a half, uh, I would not take it, but the current line that we have, three and a half, I like UCF. I would lean UCF. Yeah. I just don't think Cincy is going to generate enough offense. I am on so. I'm on the same page with you. Uh, to me, I think people have forgotten that you know UCF still is a really good football team, even though they did lose to Pitt. Right. Um, like you said, the freshman quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, he's the real deal to me. Um I think they bounced back this week. Uh, with a, they bounced back last week with a win against UConn. They kind of got up up early and kind of took their pedal pedal took their foot off the pedal. Right. But um, I think they go and, and they travel to a Friday night game in Cincinnati and they win. I got them winning by. I, I won. I was comfortable with this line getting up to like six and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, with uh, I think UCF and definitely be a touchdown favorite in this game yeah but i mean the knights are hard to pick against man they've won 29 28 out of the last 30 yeah so i'm taking ucf it's a safe pick i think if you look at the ucf teams that they fielded the last two to three years they have not had a hard time winning i mean the pit was a slip up obviously uh but they bounced back last week 56 21 at home over connecticut which is a step in the right direction for them um, arguably, UCF has one of the best offices in the country. I know Zach put some numbers up for you guys earlier. Um, but, you know, they're putting up about 49 points a game, about 568 yards per contest. That's a lot. Um, defense is only giving up 19.4 points. And they are giving up about 324 yards of uh, offense on the defensive side. Um, but like they talked about, Dylan Gabriel is awesome. I think Gabriel Davis and the receiving core is very good, and I think Greg McRae can run the ball very well. I have a hard time thinking they don't cover the three-and-a-half. I think they definitely cover the three-and-a-half. Um, for Cincinnati, if you look at their perspective, you know, to be the man, you have to beat the man, as Ric Flair used to say. And, you know, they're in the same conference. And if this, you know, Cincinnati's been hot up to this point uh, for their standards, but if you want to be in that discussion – um, to you know, at the end of the season, to go to the conference championship to win, uh, maybe possibly get into a really good bowl game at the end of the year. This is a must-win game for Cincinnati, but I just think UCF's too good on offense. I think UCF's the better football team, and I think they will not let a pit slip up happen again. So I definitely see UCF winning this football game easy. Yeah. Quick I piggyback agree. off that is the winner of this game has a clear shot to the Cotton Bowl, which exactly. is the AAC. Uh, non-conference bid game so it is a big game Cincinnati's definitely Mm -hmm. gonna get I mean UCF is definitely gonna get Cincinnati's best effort Um, right so there is always that to think about situational position but like y'all two said I just don't see that they have enough talent me neither they don't all right um now we're gonna move into our next game it's kind of an interesting matchup uh with the Baylor Bears traveling to Kansas State. Right now, Kansas State is a two-point favorite. Um, as of yesterday, they were. But uh, I think I've got an interesting little take on this ta- this game. Mm-hmm. But Kansas State got beat up uh, against last week against a spread offense in Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Um, Baylor is a spread football team. They like to throw the ball around with tempo. Uh, they have a really, like, ever since, like, I don't 
probably like five, six years ago, but Baylor had a really good football program. Oh, for sure. And then all of a sudden those scandals and stuff came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Art Browles couldn't stay out of trouble. No, he couldn't. But, <laughs> but uh, to me, uh, there's too many athletes on the field for Baylor, and Kansas State's kind of like your old traditional team that you're not going to line up and run the ball and out-physical them, but right. if you spread them out and get them moving east and west, um, you got a chance to win the game. Mm-hmm. But Baylor is uh, sneakily 4-0 and right now. Uh, their quarterback, he, uh, he has 10 touchdowns, no picks on the year. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm getting Baylor here at plus two, and I think they stay undefeated. All right, Zach, what you got? Yeah, this is actually the game I like the most. Me and my buddy actually have a Baylor future um, that we're sitting on for their over wins <laughs> for the season. I love Baylor. This is my favorite pick out of the five that y'all have given me. Baylor's 4-0, 2-2 against the spread. They beat Iowa State straight up as three-and-a-half-point underdogs last week. Um, So, with Kansas State, let's go. Let's backtrack two games to when they played Mississippi State. First of all, Mississippi State's Mm -hmm. a little overrated. If you dig into the numbers – Kansas State was actually outgained by Mississippi State by 100 points. Kansas State only had 260 yards of offense that game. Mm. Uh, Mississippi State ran 20 more plays in the third quarter for some reason. I mean, well, the obvious reason was he was playing terrible. Mississippi State takes their quarterback out. When has that ever gone well for a team? <laughs> Never. <laughs> I mean, he had he had like – 40 yards passing, I mean, 120 yeah. yards passing, <laughs> one touchdown, two interceptions. You only had four completions. They take them out. The other guy does a helicopter. I'm sure y'all have seen that clip. If you haven't, it was like 4th and 17 man. at the end of the game. Poor guy. He does a the guy that looks like he's truly from Mississippi. Feet. Yeah. <laughs> Mississippi State had three turnovers. In that game, though, Kansas State did have three lost fumbles. Fumbles have been an issue. Um, like I said, we're still on that Mississippi State game. I really think that Kansas State should have lost. And if they did, we're talking about it totally different. The line would be totally different. Right. Like you just mentioned, Charlie Brewer last week is down three points, or two points, I should say. Three minutes, 20 seconds. He goes 54 yards, 20-yard field goal, like 10 seconds to go. Yeah. Um... Kansas State uh, also is missing their top receiver. So I think that's Mm -hmm. a big uh, problem. I don't think they're going to be able to generate enough offense. Like I said, um, like you said, they're going to spread them out. Baylor is sneaky good. And especially for a big – another aspect to this game is for a Big 12 game, the over-under at this game is like 48 to 49 right now, which is relatively low for – a Big 12 game Mm -hmm. and so at plus two it's going to be a close game either way you look at it so give me the points give me Baylor I like them to cover I think y'all both said it pretty well the Bears I mean they're hard it's hard not to pick them right now I think the only thing that I read up on this game that intrigued me a little bit is that I've looked in their past uh, against the spread record in October, the month of October, and apparently Baylor's not very good against the spread in October. I've read somewhere that they're 2-9 and nine in the past couple of contests in October in the past two or three seasons, um, which doesn't look great, um, but like you said, they're just sneaky good. Um, their offense has stagnated a little bit the past two weeks when I watched them, but they still have a very, very explosive team in that you know category. 
Uh, I think the only advantage Kansas State might have in this game is the home field advantage. Um, I think their defense actually fared decently against Oklahoma State when they played them last week. Uh, we all know Big 12 football is about scoring a lot of points, but um, I just think Baylor is going to be able to get the job done here on the road. Um, and I think, like you guys said, Bears are hard not to pick in this game, so I'm going Baylor Bears in this one as well. So That's crazy. I didn't – I didn't. I don't think the last time I've seen a Big Twelve conference game with an over under it uh, in the forties. I know that's crazy. That was a good stat. Thanks for throwing that in there, Zach. That was a really good stat. <laughs> that's pretty wild. But um, now we're going to move our way into the Big Ten uh, with our third matchup. It is uh, the Iowa Hawkeye uh, Iowa Hawkeyes at uh, the Michigan Wolverines, mm-hmm. and Michigan is favored. By four and a half points right now, Colton. Yeah, take the lead. Yeah, I was thinking about taking this lead. This game is actually very interesting to me. Um, if you look at Iowa's perspective, I think their defense has been a killer so far. I think they've had a very good defense. It doesn't get behind the line too often. It's actually last in the nation in tackles for loss, but it's allowed 34 points over four games. It's a brick wall against the run, and uh, I think it's been able to clamp down with the strong set of playmaking corners. They have really good corners in those two guys. Uh, they're actually the second in the nation in fewest penalties. They lead the country in fewest turnovers, and overall, they only had one turn of this whole year and it's been an airtight team so far um and that includes they have a vet- veteran quarterback in nate stanley i think he's easily uh probably one of the better quarterbacks that the wolverines have faced um just from an experience standpoint he's not screwing up either he's hitting 64 percent of his throws for 965 yards and eight scores with zero interceptions so for iowa that looks good but if you look at michigan you know um the Rutgers last week they dominated them after that wisconsin disaster we all watched uh, Shea Patterson looked better in that game. He had 17 for 23 for 276 yards. Um, and obviously that's just enough to get some production out of the running backs when you're throwing the ball that well. Um, I don't think the ground game for Michigan in this game is going to do a lot against the Hawkeyes defense. Um, I would be honestly surprised if the Wolverines actually average more than four to five yards a carry. Um, you know, if you look back at the previous game when Iowa State played Iowa, um, you know, I don't think Iowa State has any of the receiver talent that Michigan has. And if you saw Iowa State, they put up 327 yards of passing and two scores uh, against that Iowa D. So that's kind of a thing that scares me a little bit. But um, if you look at the statistics, Iowa's won five of the last six in the series. It has toughness, but I think Patterson's going to get, you know, better time to work. I think the offensive line will protect him a little bit more. I think the Wolverine D is going to generate just enough, you know, of a home field advantage and an effort. Um, that Michigan will be able to just put down Iowa in this game, and I have Michigan winning this football game. Okay, um, I'll take the I'll take the reins now, and Zach, you can have it after me. But um, Iowa is like you know they're always. I feel like Iowa's always in this position this time of year, right. um, year in and year out. You know, they're always well known to be a physical football team. Mm-hmm. They run the ball. They're not gonna. You're not gonna touch the ball much. Kind of like Wisconsin, but. Uh, to me, Michigan's uh, got a lot to play for right now, a lot more than Iowa does. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've got a bad taste in their mouth uh, <laughs> from what happened in Wisconsin yeah, two weeks sure. ago. But uh, like I said, Iowa is a good football team. Um, to me, I just don't – like if this game was in Iowa and their fan base was there, I would probably think about it a lot more. Mm-hmm. But to me, I just don't trust Iowa to go on the road and go to the big house right. I don't either. and win a big-time conference game. Uh like I said, Michigan has a lot to prove this rest of the season. Uh, quarterback issues have plagued them the past couple of years. Jim Harbaugh has just had trouble finding a quarterback. But uh, I believe Michigan proves to be more physical in this game than Iowa, and I think they win a close game at home. I'm also going to take them in the points at minus four and a half. Yeah. 
I hate how much we've agreed so far, but I know we'll disagree <laughs> on the last game, so I'm okay with agreeing. I <laughs> agree. So if we go back to the summer when Vegas puts their first look ahead to the game, like the big marquee games, this game was Michigan at minus 10. Like wow. y'all just said, y'all have it listed at four and a half. Right now it's down to three and a half. It, wow, and really? I can't see it going, even though 70% of the money is coming on Iowa. So the public is loving the underdog, and I love yeah. that. I think if the number comes down to three, you, that won't happen. You'll see a lot of sharps jump on that, three points. Um, so just to back up what y'all were saying, so if we look at just the transitive property of college football, which I don't really care for, like this team play this team, and they beat them by this much and this team – but I think that works more in the NFL where there's a lot more parity. But if you do look at that, Iowa just beat Middle Tennessee 48-3. to And earlier in the year, Michigan played Middle Tennessee and beat them 40-21. to Like y'all mich- mentioned, Michigan just got done beating Rutgers 52 to nothing. When Iowa mm-hmm. played them earlier in the season, they beat them 30 to nothing. Um, last week... You mentioned Shea Patterson had a good game. He also had an interception against a really bad Rutgers defense, which I don't love that at all. Um, I do like Michigan, but Iowa has been pretty good up front. They actually are one of the best in preventing havoc. So they have zero interceptions, only one fumble loss, not many negative plays. Mm. Common knowledge is Faye, Jim Harbaugh, and big games. He's terrible. Since 2018, he he's 0-3 <laughs> versus ranked so teams, bad. losing by an average of 23 points. I don't love that. But I will say, once again, we're going to go to where is Michigan at in the season. They're playing for their season. This is the first time where I honestly feel like Harbaugh is coaching for his job. You look in the past, mm-hmm. he plays Ohio State every year. He's not really expected to win those games. This is a game he's expected to win. If he right. doesn't win this game then I'm not saying he's going to get fired. I think it's his job as long as he wants it. But he's going to take a lot more criticism. Things could fall apart. I mean, I like Michigan in this game. I really don't like Shea Patterson at all. He was voted. He was not voted. He's not a Michigan captain. There's rumors that his team just really does not like him. He's kind of just not known (laughs) as a nice guy. He's kind of a jerk. Um and, like you mentioned, Michigan has not been good running the ball. They've been really bad against the rush. That being said, mm-hmm. they played Wisconsin and Army, so those numbers are a little off. Um, mm-hmm. Last game, this is the first year Jim Harbaugh's run the spread, so I do think there's been a little misconception, and they're learning a brand-new offense for the first time ever. Last yeah. week they got back to running the ball a little bit more, and that seemed to help. I think they do the same thing. Um, and yeah, I like Michigan at home. I don't love it, but I do <laughs> like Harbaugh with his back against the wall. Give me John Harbaugh over Iowa's coach, and yeah. I'll swallow the points. So. Yep. I think that's a good pick, Zach. You know, the reason we're probably agreeing so much too, man, is because we just know our football, bro. That's how we're agreeing. These are the games where – you, you said it best. The last game we might disagree a little bit. <laughs> Sean. I think it's time, man. I think it's time. Let's just let's move to the next one. Are you ready? I think it's it's time to do it, man. I'm, hey, I'm hunkered down. I'm ready to go. Okay. Colton, I got a question now, real quick. <laughs> okay. Just real quick. Did you get your ticket? 
I got my ticket. Did you get your ticket for the Gus bus because we're uh, loading up and it's it is full, baby. It is full. Well, I'm so And we are riding down. Right now. <laughs> we are riding down to Gainesville to come whip up. Oh, God. some swamp ass, baby. Oh, so, look, gosh, I just want to whatever. preface this by saying I am an Auburn fan. I'm going to be as bipartisan as I can be. I'm going to start it off by talking good about Florida. <laughs> start it off, baby. Um, in the summer, like I said, I do like to go back sometimes and look at what the spread was to begin. So in the summer, the spread was like minus same thing as that Michigan game. It was like minus seven and a half to eight. Has that much changed? So minus seven and a half for Florida. So now we're looking Mm -hmm. at Auburn minus three, 10 points. I don't love that at all. I don't think enough has happened in the season to warrant a 10-point swing. That's pretty insane to me. I don't love that. Earlier today, I've been watching this line pretty closely. Auburn getting 80% of the bets. Line actually went towards Florida for a split second, went to 2.5, very quickly went back up to 3. I will preface that by saying last weekend, at about 11 a.m. on Saturday, the line against Mississippi State was 11 and got bet down to 7.5 seven right half, before yeah, kickoff. So, And the main reason is Bo Nix. Me and Sean probably love Bo Nix compared to professional bettors because he is a true freshman, because he has been inconsistent. Mm-hmm. I think he's a winner, but obviously he's a true freshman. He's playing in the swamp. He's playing on the road. <clears throat> A lot of professional bettors won't love that. So, like I said, I'm going to talk nice about Florida. Florida is number three in Havoc. I love the Havoc, especially in college football. We all know whoever wins the turnover battle, nine times out of ten wins the game. If it's pretty close, turnovers are the deciding factor. 25% of Florida plays are resulting in tackles for a loss, sacks, batted down mm-hmm. passes, interceptions, which is pretty impressive. Offer, Auburn is 88th offensively and Havoc allowed. Their offensive line is the weak spot on the field. Um, offensive efficiency, Auburn is 13th. Florida is 31st. That's pretty respectable. Defensive efficiency, Auburn is 10th. Florida is 17th. They get their best pass rusher back. They get Henderson back in the secondary. I'm talking about mm-hmm. Florida. What they're going to try and do, I believe, mm-hmm. is just lock down one side of the field, send a lot of pressure early. Now, I will say... Gus Malzahn and y'all's current D coordinator have met before. And from what I've been reading, mm-hmm. your D coordinator is pretty aggressive. Yeah. Last time they met, 2017, Very. he was with Dan Mullen at Mississippi State and Stidham lit him up. From what I was reading, mm-hmm. Florida yeah, defensive coordinator was way too aggressive and very rarely will I ever say that Stidham looked good and that I love Jarrett Stidham, but in that game, <laughs> he lit him up. Um Key for Florida, force Bo Nix into known passing downs. When Bo yep. Nix has been bad, 
It has been on third and seven or more known passing downs. He has not been very good. He's not been very accurate. That being yep. said, the key for Auburn, keeping Bo Nix clean, minimize third down. So like we saw against Texas A&M, um, one thing Gus Malzahn is very good at is scripting the first 10 plays. When it gets dicey is when Malzahn has to call plays on the fly. That is not where he ranks. Um, all that being said, I played nice. Florida is going to get ran off the field here. Nine explosive passing plays against Mississippi State last week for Bo Nix. 13 pass plays for a TD or first down. That was his best of the season. Uh, Florida pass rush versus Auburn O-line. Can they get pressure without sacrificing the underneath throws? Another big thing for right. Florida that they've been really bad at is tackling. One of the worst teams in the yes. country at missed, uh, missed tackles. If you just go back from an eyeball test, don't even look at the stats <laughs> and watch that Miami game, that might be the worst tackling uh, game on both sides of the ball I've ever seen dude. in my life. Part of that is because uh, in college football, you don't tackle in the spring anymore. I understand that. Right. Still watching that tape, it was like licking my chops because Auburn is one of the best – Teams defensively, like I said, we already alluded to their efficiency. I think that number is actually low because we sat starters in almost every game. We talk about Bo Nix going into the swamp. Well, he went into the Allen Fieldhouse, and he did pretty well. Didn't do great. Managed the game, made plays, made throws when he needed to. Him and Seth Williams have a connection. Seth Williams is a former five-star wide receiver, excuse me, right. and 37 negative plays forced by Auburn. Like I said, okay. that number could be way higher. We're sitting our starters. So who you picking? Give me we got, we got time Auburn who you picking? by – I'll I'll be nice and I say Auburn by a touchdown. I think it's more – No, 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 no. Don't be nice. Give me what you think's going to happen. What do you think? I think it's a very similar game script to Ohio State and – Michigan State in that Auburn gets up quickly. <laughs> I don't think Florida is built to play from behind. And I think it could get out okay. of hand very quick. First quarter is, okay. I think that's the game. Whoever wins the first quarter has a good chance of winning the game. All right, interesting, so, interesting. So I'm going to take the Florida take now. We got the Auburn fan winning. He was very unbiased, which is good. That's why I told Sean earlier this week when we talked about this game, I also want to be very unbiased. Now, Zach, Zach threw a lot of numbers at you. I will just go for matchups here. I think there's a lot of key matchups in this game. I think one of the the three matchups specifically that I think are going to find the game, you look at Bo Nix versus Florida Secondary. Now, we know we know Auburn can run the ball very well. They've, been, they've proven that already through their first five games. They are very good at running the ball. Um, like Zach said, their offensive line is not their strongest point on their offense. Uh, Florida has a very good defensive line. Uh, I think Florida's best chance to win this football game is to absolutely cause chaos on that line, force Bo Nix to throw on third and long like Zach talked about. And I've been telling Sean this the past two weeks. If you make a true freshman quarterback throw the ball more, he's bound to make more mistakes. And this is actually the first secondary. And, I, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Florida fan. I'm saying this because I don't think A&M's secondary is as good as Florida's. I definitely don't think Mississippi State's secondary is as good as Florida's because if you saw that game, there were so many blown and busted coverages on, on uh, freaking uh, – 
Mississippi State side that I was Yeah, that's Bo Nix's fault, too. And it's not Bo Nix's fault. He capitalized and he made the throws. But what I'm saying is this will be the first test when he's on the he's on the road again in the swamp. It's college game day. The atmosphere is going to be nuts. And when you when you cause chaos on the line and you pr- put pressure on a quarterback, and as, especially if he's a true freshman, and he's making those throws against the best secondary he's going to see this season so far, he will see better secondaries as he plays more games this year with Alabama and Georgia so. and whoever, whoever else they play this year. But basically what I'm saying is to this point, this will be the best secondary faces. So if Florida can put pressure on Bo Nix and make him throw the ball, especially on third and long, like Zach talked about, that's where you're going to see some problems with Bo Nix. And I'm not saying he's exposed because we know we know Bo Nix can run the ball. Bo Nix actually impressed me against State last week but with running the ball. And like I've talked about on the podcast in the past, I have not been impressed with Bo Nix this far. I just haven't. He has not done anything to impress me because, I mean, against Oregon, and me and Sean talked about this, and Zach made, will probably disagree, I did not like that throw he made in the last nine seconds. That Oregon safety could have completely came over the top, and I know Seth Williams is one of the best receivers in college football, if not one, like, if the best because he's a size. He's a freak. But if that safety makes a better play on that ball, Auburn was not up in that entire game, we'd have a completely different story for this game, and Auburn would not be on fire like they have been right now coming into this game. But um, that's one matchup to look at. I think the second matchup that's really important is Auburn pressuring Kyle Trask. If you look at both sides of the ball, Auburn definitely has the best defensive line in the country by far. I think Auburn has the best defensive line. They just do. I think Derrick Brown is the best interior defensive lineman in college football. Tyron Truesdale is a stud, absolute space eater. And I think if Auburn pressures Kyle Trask, who's also not a true freshman, very inexperienced, he has not started, uh, obviously, very many football games since his freshman year of high school he started. Um, and obviously, he's very new to this whole SEC environment thing. Um, if Auburn pressures the quarterback, this won't even be a football game. If Florida can't get anything going on offense, uh, the Florida defense will only be able to withstand Auburn's offense for so long. I definitely don't think Auburn would get off to a hot start like they have against A&M and against Mississippi State like they did last week. Zach made a good point in the first quarter. This game might be one in the first quarter, but I truly don't think Auburn's going to get a very fast start uh, like they did in those two games. Um if you look at mismatches on both sides, um, I think Auburn's best mismatch is Seth Williams. He's a stud, 6'4", 224 pounds. Plainly, if you just put it plainly, he's a problem for defenses. He's just a stud. And if you look at Florida's own mismatch nightmare, you got Kyle Pitts, who's a 6'6", 245-pound tight end, who can run a 4'6". The kid's fast. If you got a four, if you got a 4'6", tight end, who's 6'4", or I'm sorry, 6'6", 245 pounds, that's a problem. Uh, so, and it's a very, if you need to put your best linebacker on that kid, he, he most likely go to outrun him. So, um, it'll be a very good game. Um, you know, I'm a Gator fan. I don't want to be unbiased, but I, I have to play the homer a little bit here. I'm so sick of hearing about Auburn this week. Um, all I've heard is Auburn this, Auburn that. And you know what? Rightfully so, because Florida hasn't played anybody. It's been five games. We don't have any respect. We don't deserve respect right now because we haven't won a game, but that has been important to this point but really realistically this is the game where we silence everybody I think Florida can get it done as the underdog in this game I think Auburn is weighing over their heads because they are just so fired up about that beat down they put on Mississippi State they went to Kyle Field and won which by the way if you look at those teams they don't look as good now than they did when Auburn beat them A&M struggling against Arkansas last week very badly Oregon has not looked that impressive in their last couple matchups um, and that's all Sean talks about is, oh, you know, or, you know, we've had great top 25 wins, but realistically those teams have not played very well. And Mississippi State is not a very good football team when y'all blow, you know, blow them out. So 
this will be y'all's first test as well, in my opinion. Oregon was a very good football team, so that was actually truly y'all's first test, but this is y'all's first SEC test. I think Florida will give it to you guys. I don't. I definitely see it being a low-scoring game. Uh, I got Florida winning by three. I got Florida winning 23-20, in my opinion. Maybe, maybe even a little bit lower than that, 17, 13, 14, something like that, but... Um, I gotta pick Florida in this game, man. I cannot pick against my Gators. I love them too much. So um, it's gonna be a great game. We've been waiting for it all season long. Me and Sean have, and I know Zach's ready for it too. But Little, I'm just so sick. Well, I'm not even gonna so. cut it's in real uh, quick. The over under at this game has risen like three points. So even if you do think Florida wins, I definitely think it's higher scoring. Either way you look at it, I definitely think there's more points. Um, okay. Okay. But yeah. Well, um, it's uh, it's time for some knowledge. So, uh, <laughs> so the last two have the knowledge. Just, just right so. now, right now, hands down, Auburn is the hottest team in college football. For they're sure. uh, they're coming in on fire uh, right now. They have the best resume. If the committee was to sit down and put four teams in the playoff right now, Auburn Tigers would have to be in it. Um, Florida has not played a top fifty team all year. That is kind of scary. Um, Florida, to me, also has not played a meaningful meaningful playoff implicating game in about three years. Uh, excluding the uh, the Michigan matchup in uh, the bowl game. But um, okay. to me, Auburn is clicking on every phase of the game right now. Um, ever since uh, minus the Oregon game, Bonex is 59-94, uh, uh, which means he's uh, completing over 65% of his passes, uh, which is really good for a true freshman. Uh, he's evolving every game uh, in his passing game and in the run game. Uh, Auburn's run game is getting stronger and stronger every week. Uh, the defense uh, is so physical up front. Uh, ultimately, uh, I think we're in for a good game, but I think uh, Auburn's going to get the ball to open up the half. I think Florida gets the ball first, hopefully, and Auburn goes, opens up the ball at half, and from then on it's off to the races. And I'm going to make a prediction here. I think Kyle Trask loses this football game, and ultimately the Florida fan base will be crying – and we'll be calling for trash to be sat, and we'll be begging for Emory Jones to start for the rest of the season. Um, When I look at it for as far as matchups, quarterback, I think Auburn's favored. Uh, The front seven, I think Auburn's favored. The offensive line, I think Auburn's favored. The running backs, I think Auburn's favored. Receivers, I think Auburn's favored. Um, Wow. Special teams, I'll give it to UF. Uh, DBs, I'll give it to UF. other than that, I just I feel like this is a real lopsided game that's Special getting teams, getting Auburn way really way bad. too much attention. We, I think we can all agree. Yes, on that. yeah. I hold you. my I was breath about to say every that. time thank they you. kick, they punt. I, that's, I mean, that's why I said I said I said special teams yeah. for UF. Other um, than that, though, I'll give them the nod. Agree. But to me, man, this is this is just a way more lopsided game that people are are people are putting way too much time into this. Um, I've got the final score being somewhere around the area of forty-two to 20, 42, 24, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-mm. I'm sorry, y'all. Keep talking about high scores. Y'all realize these are two very good defenses. I, I just don't see that many points being scored. I really don't. I mean, if it, if they do, I, I guess it's not surprising because like Zach talked about, it's been changing already and it's going up. So, I mean, I, I, I just don't see that many points being scored in this game. I think both defenses are just too good. I really do. And it's in the swamp, so that's going to cause – I mean, you already have the home field advantage, and we know the swamp's one of the best places to play in college football if you're the home team, if you're the Florida Gators. But when you're the away team, you got game day coming for the first time since 2012. Atmosphere is being nuts. Everybody's going to have their eyes on this game. I just don't see that many points being scored. But I think both offenses struggle from a perspective where this is going to be a defensive game. Um, I could be wrong, obviously, because um, we've seen Auburn's offense light it up. Uh, Florida's offense really hasn't lit it up. We were scoring a lot of points. We were playing cupcakes. 
But um, I just don't see that many points being scored in this game. I think that's going to trick a lot of people going into this game. I just see it being low scoring. Um, and, yeah, so. All right, well, um, that was a fun little pick in there. We're going to go into uh, my lock of the week uh, for right now. Um, my, my lock of the week is Auburn minus three against Florida. Uh, I'm going to stick with it. Um, but uh, – the bad beat for this week is not going to involve football at all. It's going to involve baseball, which happened last <laughs> night. And uh, basically, Juan Soto comes up to the bat in the eighth. And basically, if you have um, the Milwaukee Brewers minus one and a half in that game, uh, the right fielder makes a yeah, crucial error and gives up three runs and ultimately gives the Nationals the lead and costs them the game. So that's going to be my bad beat. <laughs> I, I thought this was a gridiron podcast, not a not a. Uh, no, I just I was just shocked watching the no, game last night. I, but, uh, I agree, that's a very bad beat. <laughs> it was what, bad. Uh, what are what are our viewers saying, Colton? Yeah, we'll go into some viewer feedback, guys. Um, like always, we really appreciate you guys reaching out to us. Um, you know, just a personal story I'll throw in there real quick. Um, I was actually walking through the Plaza of the Americas um, the other day. Um, leaving Library West at UF, and um, I actually, and by the way, Plaza of the Americas is where, where college game day is going to be held this weekend, so that's going to be fun, so I already know where it is, um, but I was walking out of there, and um, I used to have this buddy, his name's Max, awesome dude, uh, he had a Spanish class with me last semester, and uh, he was just randomly sitting on a bench, I probably haven't seen this guy in five months, probably would most likely never see the dude again, I, I don't really keep in contact with this guy, but he's a really nice guy. And he actually told me when I sat down that he has been listening to our podcast. And I was like, man, that blows my mind. And I was like, well, how'd you hear about it? And he said, man, you just posted on your Snapchat story. I got you added on Snapchat. And I tuned in like you talked about because you said you want to do a podcast before. And here you are doing it. And I just thought it was really cool that, you know, unexpected, you know, people that I would never imagine actually listening to our podcast are actually tuning in. So thank you, Max, oh, for yeah. tuning in. I thought it was really cool. A little different viewer feedback there. But, um, Earlier uh, today, we actually tweeted out, you guys, we got to do a better job of putting that out earlier. That's honestly my fault. Sean actually had to come to me last night and tell me, like, what are you doing? You need to put this out. Um, but we had some people come in, and it's really t- directed towards the Auburn-Florida game because that's the matchup of the week. Um, Dylan Brown, uh, one of our favorites, as always, uh, one of our guys, um, he came in and said, Florida gets too much respect for playing a week schedule year after year, sneaking nine wins. Also, Auburn's wins look less significant every week with TAMU and Oregon looking like average football teams. Um, and Miss Lizenby, who we talked about last week, also came in and said, Dylan makes great points. AU's win against TAMU means nothing after watching them struggle against Arkansas. Nothing's a little bit of a stretch, but Miss Lizenby, I agree. It definitely looks weaker. Florida isn't impressive right now either. They find ways to win, but I'm not sure how good they really are, which I think no one really knows until after this game is played <laughs> on Saturday because we have not played anybody. Um, she said she's. I picking, like listening to these guys. I do too. Uh, Miss Lizzie says she's picking Florida upset solely because it's in the swamp. Jacob Harrison, the man, the myth, came in and corrected Dylan and said ten wins per season for Florida sneaking those wins. <laughs> and then Josh Birch actually came in. Um, we haven't actually had a chance to put Josh Birch on here, but uh, he's also an awesome guy from our hometown. Uh, he said Florida did drop after wins over Miami and against Towson. Don't know if there's much respect there. Almost all the media says they aren't a top 10 team. Nobody respects Florida right now, and rightfully so with the teams that they've played, which, like we've already, already touched on, it's agreed. They have not played anybody. I think that's the biggest thing that is angered Florida fans, especially me. Um, I'm, I know we haven't played anybody. It's obvious if you know football that these teams we haven't played are very good. 
Um, you know, all we've heard is Auburn this, Auburn that, and I, I'm just speaking from past experience. When you fire up the Florida Gators <laughs> in the swamp, um, you doubt the Florida Gators, you don't give respect to the Florida Gators, they usually show up and play a pretty damn good football game. So uh, we'll have to wait all and right. see. Um, we get it. We get it, brother. You're It's it's, it's stressful environment for you. Right oh, now. it's not stressful for me. I'm going, I'm being home with my games. I got friends coming in town. I really wish we had <laughs> Zach to come, honestly. I know we tried talking to Zach. We never got to you, but we wanted to get you a guest ticket so you can come down and watch the game with us, but it just never really panned out. But yeah, but uh, I'm having a great weekend. I'm having friends come in town. That's including you, Sean. We're going to watch the Oh, game. yeah, I'll be down there. I'll uh, be down there. Go to game day. It's my first game day I've ever been to. I've been to SEC Nation before, which was really fun when I went to the Mississippi State-Florida game last year. Uh, but college game day, I've never been. I've always watched it growing up as a kid, but never been to one. So I think it's really exciting to actually go to a game day, be there, experience it, see what happens. I guarantee you that everyone picks Auburn. I, I can go and tell you right now, uh, I guarantee you Lee Corso puts a tight line. As long as he puts a gator head on, um, okay. I yeah, want him we'll to put right. Auburn. But uh, we're gonna have to. We're gonna end the show now. We gotta end the show. Yeah, we're but, not um, over, but Zach, we really appreciate you coming on, brother. Yeah, like it was fun. You're awesome, Zach. Look forward you're to awesome, it. dude. With that being it, um, we're going to say good night to our listeners. So y'all be good. Appreciate you guys for tuning in.